Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am joined today by Savannah Wood, who is the digital marketing manager for the Jacksonville Jaguars. At 24 years old, Savannah has already done incredible things in her career. She graduated college at 19 and always knew she wanted to work in sports, and she has certainly made that happen. You guys are in for a real treat. She is a real inspiration for anyone who wants to work in sports. So if you like what you hear, and I think you will, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review for a chance to be highlighted in an upcoming episode and win Fangirl merchandise. Just screenshot your review, put it in your Instagram story, tag at Fangirl Sports Network, hashtag GetMyJobPod. And with that, let's go. Savannah, welcome to the Get My Job Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Tracy. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you today. Well, we are very excited to have you. And by we, I mean all of our listeners because I'm sitting here by myself. Um, But I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, You and I have been working together for a couple of years now on the Fangirl Guides. And I know you have such an interesting journey and story. So I'm excited for our listeners to hear all about it. So let's dive on in. I want to start uh, with college because I know you wanted to work in sports pretty early on. Um, so I'd love to start kind of with your college experience and how it all came about. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. So I actually, um, you know, was passionate about sports, I think, pretty much my entire life from a, a really young age. And um, my junior year of high school, actually, I was given an opportunity to go ahead and start college a little bit early. So I, I did a dual enrollment program. So I was going from high school to private tennis lessons and then straight over to college. And I did that for about two years. So I was actually able to graduate high school with 64 college credits. So that really pretty much just ended up with me um, attending the University of Florida and graduating really, really young. Um, I was 19 when I, when I graduated college, Um, but I I didn't really mind so much because I I knew what I wanted to do. And and one of my degrees is in sports management. so much so that the first day of my sport ethics class, I literally walked right up to my professor you know, after class and I said, listen, I don't exactly know what, what part of sports I want to be in yet, but I'm willing to, to do anything and everything I can to get closer to figuring it out. Is there anywhere you can send me on this campus um, to help me do that? And he said, absolutely. I'm going to send you straight over to the sport information director's office. Um, baseball the head of um, the baseball department at the time was John Hines and he said go over there after class Um, you're going to classes for the day talk to him tell him um, that you're willing to kind of work and learn and and see where it goes and um, that was kind of the beginning of everything I was was, uh, 17 years old uh, just landed on on the campus in Gainesville over the summer and he just kind of threw me right into everything he um, let me start uh, working on game day books and notes and whatever I I really wanted to do. And then um, that transcended into football and basketball at U.S. and SEC and NCAA events. And um, he really just opened the door uh, kind of to my career in sports and and continues to be a mentor that has just taught me uh, so much. He was such a good example. And I don't I don't really know that I'd be kind of where I am today if I didn't have kind of that early college experience because I 
I needed that guidance, I think, early on, and I was really blessed to have it. And it, I think it's amazing that, that you had him as, as a mentor and to guide you. But I think what's also really incredible is that at such a young age, you took the initiative to, to go see him. What can I do? And I think a lot of people would maybe leave that conversation, say, okay, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that next week. And you just went right over and did it. Where did that come from? Where did that early drive come from for you? You know, I, I really think I, I had it always. My parents, you know, would tease me growing up that they never had to tell me to get up or go work out or go to practice or study. And I, I think I, I had great examples as parents and, and they continue to be wonderful examples in my life. But I, I just had so much drive and I think I still do to be successful in whatever I'm doing. And I, I think you really need that as a woman in this industry because there's so many opportunities um, for you to feel like you're not good enough uh, at really any part of this, of this industry. I really feel like it, it's so easy to kind of sit back and, and be complacent in a position um, or to be scared to take advantage of an opportunity. And, and I don't know what compelled me that day to do it, but I, man, if you think you know what you want to do when you get to college, it, you just got to go for it. I agree a hundred percent. And I just think that's very inspiring. And important for young women in this industry as they are thinking about what they want to do that you really do need to go the extra mile which is true actually of young men as well so I think uh, that's good advice all the way around so I know obviously you've you're with the Jaguars now but we're backing up slightly I know you did an internship with the Cape Cod Baseball League and then you ended up working with the Boston Red Sox so I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about your time with the Red Sox I know you started as a game day presentation assistant but you grew to do a lot of different things with them. Yeah, so I, I think everybody um, in sports probably has been able to tell that the opportunities are, are far and few between sometimes and difficult to kind of obtain. And I had a lot of experience in different areas coming out of college, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I, after I, I left the Cape Cod Baseball League, I um, – took advantage of an opportunity to work on on game day presentation um, and that was where it was dealing a lot with national anthem singers and first pitch ceremonies and and all of those types of things and it was it was an awesome experience but I also kind of noticed pretty quickly that there was um, this was way back this was back in what 2015 so the the digital world was really just up and coming at that time and there was so much need um, for a focus on social media and websites and and even down at, at spring training, this was an opportunity where now like you have the top athletes um, kind of in the sport kind of just playing around and practicing because there's so much opportunity at spring training. And I was like, I found myself making graphics in my spare time and just really interested in, in social media and digital and marketing. And I was like, I I love what I'm doing. I, I love that I'm impacting people um, in the in this way. But I think that there, I think I'm meant to do something else. And that was hard because I was like, "Am I being crazy? Do I, me wanting to get out of baseball? Like I have an incredible opportunity." And I'm thinking, you know, it, it was sort of like a, a an oh my goodness moment. Is this the right decision for me? And I, you know, I, I had to pray about it and think about it. And I was like. You know, I'm, I don't feel like I'm fulfilled enough right now. I feel like I, I need to do more. I want to be challenged differently. Um, and so it was really interesting. I 
you'll appreciate this one. I um, was applying for a position with both the San Francisco 49ers and the oh. Memphis Grizzlies. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I know. I was like NFL or NBA. And um, I got offered a position with the Memphis Grizzlies on a Friday. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I'd actually just applied for one with the Jaguars like two days before being offered. And I just thought, you never know, right? And I felt compelled during the, the Grizzlies discussion to say, you know, let me think about this. It, it was in community relations, another area of passion, but still wasn't where I was really trying to get. And the Jaguars position at the time was a, a digital media coordinator, really just posting web articles on the website, but it was a foot in the door and, and that was all I needed. Um, I wasn't even 21 yet. I was just 20 and I was like, let me just go for it. And I got an email from the Jaguars on Saturday night that was like, come in Monday or Tuesday for an interview. And I was like, Oh my goodness, like, this is it. If I can get, if I can get this, this is what I want to do. And then I, I can figure it out from there. And so I went in for the interview for about five hours and I ended up um, kind of securing the position in Jacksonville. And it was, it had a lot of things on, on the job description that I had to sit there and say, listen, I, I don't know how to do all of this, but I, I'm going to figure it out. Like I, I will be the hardest working, best employee you've had, and I will learn, you know, how to do what you guys need me for. And I think because I, I chose to start with that attitude and I still try to keep it, um, it's, it's really kind of propelled me into kind of what I'm doing now and, and really what I want to continue doing in the future. So will you talk a little bit about what you do do as the digital marketing manager? Um, because I think there are probably so many parts of this position that people aren't even aware of. And I would love if you are open to it, if you could kind of walk us in or walk us through a day in the life of Savannah Woods. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Absolutely. So I, I think that's a, another thing. If you really, you don't ever know what, what each day is going to bring. Um, I'm able to, um, in this role specifically in season, touch all of our social media channels and um, travel with the team um, and produce uh, real-time content for those channels. Um, we built an amphitheater connected to our stadium two years ago. So I um, have an opportunity to run their social and their website, um, runjaguars.com. Uh, tiabankfield.com, which is the um, stadium that our our team plays in. And then I also work really closely um, with sales and sponsorship as it pertains to our um, season ticket and single game sales. And then the biggest thing lately that I, I think um, kind of doesn't really get written under a job description is how important it is to find ways to monetize your digital and social channels now. Um, I'm sure you, you, you're, you're seeing it um, all over the place, but the amount of opportunity there is with our partners now to um, get them involved with our digital assets is just unbelievable. And the way that it's changed over the last couple of years is unbelievable. I mean, some of our most valuable assets include social media final score graphics from games and um, really high-performing articles, uniform um, reveals. So I'm really passionate about kind of the um, marketing side and the revenue side, but then I, I also get to uh, touch the creative side with social media as well. So I'm, I'm in a really fortunate position here in Jacksonville. You and I have talked before about the difference between contentment and complacency and how that's driven you. And I just think that is such an interesting way to put that and such an important way to put that. So I would love if you could talk for our listeners a little bit about that um, and where kind of where you fall on that and, and how it's propelled you to the success you've had really at such a young age. 
Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. So I think um, when I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I started here and then um, I had a, a small but important role, of course, and, and it was it was very early from a career standpoint in the NFL. And there was um, some uh, changeover in the company from um, my department, and that kind of opened the door um, to opportunity for me. And I had been here maybe three or four months, and I knew that I could either walk through that door or shut it. And I, I really think I just sprinted through it, and I was like, give me everything. I will learn whatever I need to learn. I was on the phone with the NFL every day. I was learning how to code. We needed a new app. I was like, I'll figure that out. Let me learn how to do things with mobile apps. Let me build websites. I will do anything you guys need. I'll, I'll figure it out. And I, I wouldn't have been able to do that if the organization didn't give me the opportunity. Um, and I also don't know if I would have been able to do it if I wasn't like just really excited about it. I think, I think when you lose the desire to learn then then you really stop growing and and that's where my my contentment versus complacency comes in right because um the the contentment is wonderful if you are doing waking up every day and you enjoy what you're doing and you are happy where you are that is wonderful um but i don't know that i get content very easily i i think i'm just not built that way and it doesn't mean that everybody everybody needs to be built the way that I'm built. But I think you do have to um, keep that desire to learn and to grow with you every day um, because really just the the thing that kind of propels me and gets me up in the morning. And I'm really passionate about that. So obviously the Jaguars has been a great experience for you and as an organization, they've, they've given you a lot of opportunity and really allowed you to grow. Can you talk about a rejection you had earlier on that although difficult at the time, really helps you to grow as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was I was young and I was I struggled with confidence because here I am, 19 years old, trying to wave around some degrees from certainly a reputable college and and a lot of college experience, but still like unsure of myself kind of I think as a young woman and I I remember the opening line of my cover letter of all of those jobs I was applying for um, was that my age was not a reflection of my abilities and I I can I literally it's unreal I continue to fight that battle um, for a couple of years I think one because the digital and social world in general was so new um, even four or five years ago that even though I was growing up in it, I did not, absolutely did not have enough experience to feel confident to stand up in a room and and to talk about it. So I, I struggled with that because um, I think it's so easy for us to sit back in conversation, even when we know we know what the right decision is, or we have advice, or we have input on the topic. And it's so easy to kind of sit back and let other people talk. And my mentor at the time, um, he told me to, uh, take a seat at the table. And I said, what do you mean take a seat at the table? And he said, stop sitting in the corner, sitting on the ground, standing up against the wall, sit down at the table because your opinion matters and you are there for a reason and you wouldn't be there if you weren't knowledgeable in, in your department. So sit at the table. And I think it took me a couple of years and, and experience, I think as well, to to realize that I, I, I did know what I was talking about. And I was a, a woman, a young woman in sports, but that I could make a positive impact on the business and I could drive revenue and I could still like help the organization, even though I, I was young. I, I think I was the youngest full-time employee with the Jaguars for at least a year or two. And 
I don't even think it was until probably about a year ago that I got confident um, even sharing my real age. I mean, I couldn't even have a legal adult beverage with my coworkers when I first started in <laughs> the major in the major leagues. I mean, I was a baby, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. and that's what you hear. And it's so funny because I think society a little bit has been trained to instead of like congratulating success, we look for like a fault or a question so often that I would get, I would, people would look at me and say, what do you mean that you graduated that early? Like, why did you not stay at college for four years? I wanted six years. Why did you not party and have a great time? And I said, you know, that, that wasn't for me. I had a blast in college, but I knew what I wanted to do. I was ready for my career. And I said, why can't, why can't you just look at me and say, that is awesome. You know, like why, why in this, in this day and age, can we not just support each other and, and women need to support other women more. And I think it just taught me so much so young and, um, because I was able to experience those challenges that sound so lame looking back on, but it was hard. I was, I was like kind of struggling with who I was and, and I, I just wanted to be older and now I'm like, okay, I can, I can slow down now. <laughs> we always do when we're younger. We always want to be older when you're older, you want to be younger. It's, it's just the nature of life. But I think you bring up an excellent point that we need to celebrate where we are, who we are and each other's accomplishments. And I think too often, and this is true of men and women, we get threatened by someone who chose to do it differently. And the fact that you did it the way you did it is incredible and worked for you. And it's okay if it wouldn't work for someone else, but it worked amazingly for you and that should be celebrated. So I commend you for getting to a place where you were confident and excited about it and, and okay to say, well, this is what I did and this is why I did it. And I'm really happy I did because I think that's very important and will serve you well forever. And I think again, for our listeners, it's important to be you and be okay to be you. And we had Amy Trask on a couple weeks ago and her life motto was to thine own self be true. And that's really what you're talking about. And I think that's a really important point to drive home. So I'm, I'm happy that you spoke about that. Uh, and so what kind of along those lines, what is the number one mistake that you see women making when trying to break into sports? Number one mistake for women. I, I think, I think sometimes, and this, this might not even just be true of, of women. It might be a little bit true um, in general, but I think it, it's really easy to kind of go to college and do a couple of things here and there, but really not um, know what you want to do. And the reason that I think that's an, an issue is because you, it's so easy to get discouraged. Like you get, you get ready to graduate college, you're coming out of college and you're applying for all of these positions. And, and they say like, these are entry-level positions. Why am I not getting them? And I think it's because um, there's so many opportunities in college now with internships that are just beating out people coming out of college. Um, they don't even get looked at, right? Because if I've got four internships that I did during college and a ton of experience, then I'm going to get looked at over someone with zero experience for that entry-level role. And I think, you know, we as women, if we want to be sideline reporters or we want to be SIDs or we want to be trainers, we have so many opportunities in college to take advantage of um, that can really help us uh, get into that field a little bit faster. Because my my number one question um, when I get asked, like, why am I having such a hard time is, is don't be disappointed in where you are jobless because you're out of college when you didn't do anything in in undergrad to prepare you kind of for these positions. And I think 
um, there's so much opportunity now, hopefully, depending on, you know, where, where you're going or where you're attending or with high school to just find ways to get that experience because I don't think it's enough just to have a piece of paper nowadays, I, especially in this industry. I think anything that you can do to set yourself apart in college can really propel you um, into your career a little bit faster. Along those lines and really kind of what you're doing now, you mentioned how much the digital world has changed even since 2015, and it has, and I would say it's changed over the last year. Are there trainings that you do, or how do you keep up with everything that's going on just so that you can make sure your content stays fresh and that you're really up to date on all you know the, the most new things, for lack of a better term, um, to do in this world of digital marketing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think our leadership uh, is co constantly encouraging us to both look in um, our industry and in sport outside of the NFL um, in um, other areas of fashion and really just to continue to stay online on social media, to stay diligent. We have frequent, um, in fact, weekly content meetings where we literally sit in a room and go over things that we saw on social media in the last week so that we can pull ideas um, from those to execute. We have weekly and biweekly calls with the NFL that are constantly updating us on new opportunities um, and new ways for us to engage people across our social and digital platforms. So I, I don't know that you can ever stop looking at what other people are doing and the way that you're doing things because exactly to your point like what we were putting out a year ago is different than what we um, are putting out now and I think we, we try to keep our brand voice fresh but the way that we are designing and engaging um, has changed and these platforms continue to change like the we're constantly using analytics to drive so much of our decisions I think that is probably the biggest thing I've noticed um, since breaking into the digital world is that our analytics team and um, the, the knowledge that we get from that that is so incredible we can even get down to I have a post that goes on Twitter and Facebook, but it's performing better on one platform versus the other. So that's where it's always going to go. And, and that's really how we're driving our decisions nowadays. And five years ago, that certainly wasn't a thing. It was put everything everywhere. And now you have to consider those. You have to consider that one platform might prefer, prefer pictures. One might prefer video. One might prefer graphics. It's it's really insane that you, you do have to constantly not just look at what other people are doing and what you're doing, but you have to use data too because you can argue with a lot of things in this world, but one thing I've learned um, that can give you a lot of confidence in conversation is, is data because you, can't, you can seldom argue with the data. That's true, and it's something that we tell the fangirls at the beginning of each season, too. You know, there's a lot of questions, when should I post, what should I post? And we say you're, you kind of have to do a lot of trial and error because what the Jaguars fangirl posts on Monday morning is going to be – is going to perform differently than how, what the Bills fangirl posts on Monday morning. And Bills fans may not be as interested in looking at Instagram on Monday morning, but Jags fans might be. And so it's a lot of trial and error, and we always encourage the girls to look at your posts, look at your content, see what's performing well, see what people like, see when they're looking at it. And there is so much that goes into it. And we've changed so much. When I first started, and it was just 49ers fangirl, it would be the same thing on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. That was in 2015, which is a mm -hmm. year you brought up earlier. And now it's 
so different. The things that do well in stories, the things that do well on the site, the things that do well on Twitter. It's just very interesting to see what is doing well where um, and how you mix Mm -hmm. that up. And so you're right. The data is huge and analytics really have become a huge part of this whole crazy digital social world. But you're (laughs) right. It doesn't lie. And you have to look at it. So it is. It's very interesting. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Fangirl Playbook listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axio Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axio Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, put in code FREE99 at sports.axios.com. You touched a little bit on this before, but can you talk a little bit about your mentors that you've had along the way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it certainly started from an early age with um, one of my coaches in, in tennis, Louis Valentine, because I, as I started to get older and, and I was trying to taking harder classes and trying to balance everything in, in high school, even before college, he always encouraged me um, to work incredibly hard at everything I was doing and to give my all to to literally everything I was going to put my name on. And um, I think that transitioned directly into college with my the mentor I mentioned earlier and John Hines, because I really do feel like he was probably the most influential person in my career because I, I was 
kind of at a crossroads where I could work really hard to hopefully kind of push me into um, a professional sports organization when I came out of college or, or I could have chosen to just kind of relax and put a little bit into it and see what happens. And, and I think that's when I learned, you know, you get in into it, what you, you get out of it, what you put into it. And he really kind of pushed me to do that. And then now, even with the Jaguars, um, I have such a strong uh, senior leadership staff, um, inclusive of men and women. Um, you spoke to Mega. I know previously she's wonderful. Um, our CFO is a female and a lot of our senior staff um, is just really, really inspiring to look up to because they have had such successful careers. And I continue to kind of take things from them every day because I know that I need to um, learn everything I can um, as I work through my career so that I can be a good leader. And you have to kind of have great leaders around you to, to be a good one yourself. And I'm certainly blessed to have that in Jacksonville. How would you describe your leadership style? I expect a lot, um, kind of, I, I hold myself to a high standard and, and those people around me are under me to a high standard. Um, and I think you have to do that tactfully and that's something that I am um, continuing to learn. I think my leadership style has evolved over the years um, to both wanting to teach and expect at the same time. And that's kind of interesting. I think, I don't know if that ever goes away, right? Where you, you're trying to kind of teach and encourage those um, around you, but you're also like the, there's still work that has to get done and expectations that you have to live up to. Um, so that's something that I, I continue to kind of learn and that continues to evolve. And I think um, switching it back around, I, I've also, you know, learned that there is a time to speak and then a time to listen. And I think it's so much easier said than done because when you know, you're young and you're, you're trying to move up in your career, you still have so much that you want to learn and so many things that you want to pull into the way that you're going to lead. And, you know, I find myself in positions, you know, frequently where I'm like, you know, maybe I should have listened more or I should have spoken up. And I think if you continue to um, keep that mentality as your leadership style evolves in the way that you want to kind of ultimately kind of run an entire department one day, you'll be really successful. There was one thing that you could change for women in the sports industry. What would it be? One thing that I could change for women in the sports industry. I think it's going to sound really cheesy, but I, I really do think it it's, the immediate misconception associated with being a woman. I mean, I think you've probably been here too and, and the women listening um, that are, are in sports or want to be have as well. And it's, are you in it for the right reasons? You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been asked, oh, how is it working with athletes all day? Like, do you, you want to date them? Are you going to marry them? Or do you, do you get to hang out with them all the time? And, and it's just absolutely not like that. I, I think you know, we have to work harder in the beginning um, just to prove that we're there for the right reasons, which is ultimately okay, I think, because it makes it that much more rewarding in the end. But I mean, I remember just even young being around all of those baseball players. And it was like, I, I knew that I had to work hard and stay focused. And um, I think that's really tough for women because it's intimidating. I mean, we have a, a team charter and 
and there might be four or five women total on a plane full of coaches and trainers and football players. And, and it's not always easy to kind of earn that respect. And I think, I think that's just something that we'll ha- we have to battle through. I don't know that it's necessarily going to change because we are in a, a man's sport, but I do feel like the opportunity women have gotten over the years has certainly grown. And, and I know um, even across the NFL, there's like 20% more women on, on the front office staff than there even was in previous years. So I definitely, I mean, I think it, it's a challenge and I don't think it's ever going to go away. Um, but I, I think it should just drive us to work harder and, and stay focused and prove that we can um, achieve just as much as men in this industry. I tell this story a lot. I've told it on Twitter. I've told it on other podcasts, but for anyone who's missed it, and I don't think that, that you know it, Savannah, um, I was in a bar a little over a year ago and talking to a man who asked what I did and I told him and he asked me so female focused content you guys just talk about the players are being are cute not when he meant it he 100% meant it mm-hmm. and I said no and he said well what else could you possibly talk about them other than the players being good looking and, and that was the end of that conversation <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't feel it needed to go any further and that I needed to, <laughs> to really element and the way I'm telling the story is much nicer than the conversation than the way he said it than the way he said it and so it's just it is unfortunate but it is you know you're right it's the nature of it it is what it is and all you can do is stay focused and work hard and prove that, that that's not what's going on but it is interesting and it always shocks me that here we are in 2019 <laughs> and there are still people <laughs> and there will be in 2059 and 2059 and 20, you know, that'll be that way forever, unfortunately. But um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I think you were going to say something. No, no, no. It's, it's always, I, I almost find it rewarding these days too, when you um, can turn around and have an intellectual conversation about something relevant in sports because it's Tuesday and you are watching Monday night football or you are watching the twins get swept um, by the Yankees last week. You know, it's, it's, it's it's always um, interesting for me to watch men's faces when even myself or my coworkers or my female counterparts, you know, in sports can turn around and talk about it because you're right. It's 2019 and people still say, whoa, you guys actually know what you're talking about. And it's it's funny because it's absolutely not assumed that we have a clue. No, no, it is not. No, it definitely is not. So before we get to five fun facts, I would love for you to first just tell us what is a game day like for you? I personally find it so fascinating to learn about what each game day is like for people in different areas of an organization. So what does game day look like for you? So if we were to talk about, um, let's talk about a road game. So typically if we've got a one o'clock, if we, if we've got a one o'clock kick, we will get on the, um, 5.30 a.m. bus uh, from our team hotel with the equipment staff and our head of social, and we'll ride over to the stadium. Um, we'll get set up. We'll go into the locker room and shoot footage of equipment staff pulling the uniforms out, getting the visitor locker room ready. Then we'll go walk around the stadium and take a Stadium 360 and use footage for that. We'll prep the website. We'll get ready. Um, for photo galleries, we'll get ready for pregame social content, we'll get um, app push notifications ready. And then by the time you do that, it's 
10 a.m., the first bus of the players are arriving, and you head straight out to um, the buses to capture that content because now it's just important to get things up in real time. So um, there's usually two buses for our team specifically. So we'll cover the first bus. One person will be on photos. One person will be on video. We'll immediately go back, upload that content. Um, our head of social will create a video. I'll edit the photos, get them up on the website, get them out on Instagram stories or respective um, social channels. And then you finish that bus. The second bus is there and you do it all over again. Um, and then by the time you're finished with just your arrival footage, the warm up start, the guys are coming out of the locker room, they're um, talking to fans because it's so early, they don't have their pads on yet. You want to capture that content. Um, you go back, you need to get it uploaded. Then it's inactives. You need to get inactives on the site, send out a push notification, put it out across social, and then you're 45 minutes until kickoff. So the team starts to come out of the tunnel and pads. You want to get all that pregame content. Then you got to go back and edit it. You need to get that up. Um, across all the channels and then it's kickoff time and then it just really doesn't slow down um, our team specifically like I'll I'll be um, running back and forth if, um, between grabbing photos to uh, sending out score updates editing them all for our social channels um, so that we can get them up in real time if it's a scoring play you're standing by the team photographer as soon as we score you take the card you sprint back to the um, workroom and you get those up online as fast as you can. Um, and I think even just over the last couple of years, that has changed so much because you want to be the first one to get that content out. Um, and it really just doesn't slow down. It, you finish the game, you have post-game pressers, you want to get um, players shaking hands after the game, jersey swaps, then you have four articles that come out, post-game photos, and then by the time you you get the last thing up on, on the website and out on social, it's 11 p.m. and you just had kind of a 17-hour day full of content. So it, it's pretty much sun up to sundown. And even over the last couple of years, it's it's became even more fast-paced because um, if we don't get it up, somebody else will. We're competing. You know, as a club, we're competing with the news outlets that we appreciate so much because they support us, but they're also there to capture it. So um, timeliness is, is become um, kind of our biggest push on, on game days now because we have to be relevant and timely as quickly as possible. So game days are, they're pretty insane. That is a very intense day. I mean, I thought I had a long game day, but I think your, your game day may be, maybe even uh, longer than mine. In fact, I know for a fact that it is. Is a home game similar? It is. It's it's similar, um, but home games to us, I think, um, are a little bit more repetitive, at least for me personally, because I kind of know what to expect every time um, from just kind of the, the shape of the day. I'm going to my home field, and, and we have the privilege of working inside of our stadium, so we're really familiar with everything, and, and we have a little bit more help at home games. We have probably four or five more staff members, so game days for me, um, you know, at home, I, I, I'm I don't watch – there is one misconception that I don't watch hardly any of the actual game. I'm listening to it, and I'm watching it online because I'm cutting real-time highlights or making score updates on Instagram or sending out push notifications. So I often have to record the game at home and go back and, and watch it. But I, I don't think I have it any other way. Um, but I would say that home games certainly are, are quite – a little bit more relaxed just because we do have all of our staff kind of with us and, and road travel like most teams probably experience, not just in the NFL, but in, in baseball and the NBA, you don't have as much help. So you're doing 
a lot of things um, that you would otherwise not have to be doing if, if you had more hands. That makes sense. So we are coming to one of my favorite parts of every episode, um, five fun facts for all of you that listen to this podcast and follow me, you know, fun facts are very much my thing. So we decided to make it a segment on the Get My Job podcast and everybody gets the same ones every week. So let's run on through these. Savannah, what is your favorite moment in sports? Um, I would say my favorite moment in sports outside of the ones um, that I've experienced, like our, our playoff run back in 2017, um, was probably watching the 2008 Olympics with my parents um, when Michael Phelps won eight um, gold medals. It was in, in Beijing, and I, I've always said something about about the Olympics and, and just like your country and your love for for your country kind of brings out a whole different level of feelings and watching um, him achieve that just as an athlete representing um, America with that flag on him was just a, a really incredible moment. What is your life motto? Um, I would say my life motto is when you can't find the sunshine, be the sunshine. Um, I have a, a very tiny tattoo that most people will never see and the only mm -hmm. one I'll probably ever get that says sunshine on it. Um, and I, I've always tried to um, kind of keep bright and happy in everything that I do. And, and I realize that the only thing in life I can really control is, is my reactions to things and the way that I treat people. So got to take a little bit of sunshine into, into every day. I love that. When you can't find the sunshine, be the sunshine. That is fantastic. What is your go-to workout? Um, my go-to workout um, in the mornings is typically a gym called S45. They are all over the nation, um, and they split up cardio and strength days, which I love. So I, I'm lifting weights one day, and the next day I'm lifting cardio. And I'm, I'm working cardio, and it, it gives a really good balance to my schedule. And then I also enjoy at least once or twice a week running stadiums at, at TIA Bankfield. Um, it's one of my favorite exercises ever. Go-to coffee order. Every morning, I uh, use the Dunkin' app for mobile ordering, caramel iced coffee with almond milk. And I, if sounds, I miss a morning, it, if I miss a morning, it's not a good day. That sounds delicious. That sounds absolutely <laughs> delicious, and I will have to be trying that. And last but not least, your fifth fun fact, what is a book every woman should read? This one might surprise you a little bit. Um, but it's called iGen, and it's um, written by um, a professor um, from San Diego State University. She has a PhD and in psychology, and it. Um, she also wrote Generation Me, and it actually focuses on people born literally the year I was born to the mid-2000s. And um, the point of the whole book is to show that the way that um, our future leaders and the people that we need to market to are growing up and how they think. It talks about how um, they're growing up in the smartphone age and the digital age and their face-to-face -face relationships are not important. And it, it uses data to support that their behaviors are literally so different now than the people, than the people that came before them. And I think it's, it's really beneficial for everybody to read, even women or men, because it it really shows how you need to um, kind of expect the future leaders and, and the future people that are consuming your content and buying your tickets um, to do so. And, and I just found it really interesting um, 
to go through. So I think everybody should read it. It's called iGen. It talks about why today's kids, super connected kids, are growing up less happy and unprepared for adulthood. And it's just, it's really interesting. <laughs> oh, I'm going to read that for sure. Um, I'm definitely, that sounds interesting. And so many of our fangirls are in your age range. So I find that fascinating and I have nieces and nephews. So thank you. Thank you for that recommendation, Savannah. <laughs> and thank you for joining me today. I think you are truly an incredible, incredible young woman and are going to be an inspiration for our listeners. I just am very much in awe of you. And I do not say that lightly. I've been lucky enough to get to work with you the last couple of years, which has been an absolute pleasure and a joy. And honestly, I can't wait to see how your career unfolds because you're really incredible. So thank you for being with us today. It was fantastic. And I look forward to talking to you on email uh, later this week and in, throughout the season. Yeah, thank you, Tracy. And thank you for uh, what you're doing for, for women and for starting this podcast. I think it's, it's really going to be influential to um, a lot of people. So I'm grateful for you and for this opportunity. You're a gym, and I look forward to continuing our relationship in the future. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Bye, Savannah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.